0: Welcome to episode 8 of the Mindfulness Mosh Pit podcast. My name is Philippa Bennett and I'm a confidence life coach for metalheads. Join me each week for a bite-sized look at tips and tricks to help you boost your confidence and make your life just a little bit better, with the odd interview with other metalheads mixed in for good measure. To find out more, follow me on Instagram at The Mindfulness Mosh Pit. And this week, I'm going to talk you through the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life and how I overcame it. So... Let's get started. So, I I thought long and hard about doing this audio. I really didn't want to do it on video because some of it gets a little bit personal. And um, yeah, a lot of thinking to do about what I was going to say. I did do a sort of a plan to, to make sure I didn't miss anything out, but it seemed a little bit contrived. So, I think I'm just going to tell the story as it is. And the story is about basically the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life and how I came to terms with it, how I actually got over it, how I used it to its advantage even, um, which might sound strange when you hear what it is, um, but it has brought many advantages in my life and many positive things have come out of it in the end. It happened about 20 years ago, so um, if I begin the story a little bit earlier than that, I um, I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere in the Cornish countryside in the southwest of the UK, and I have to say it was a pretty, it was a, an idyllic childhood. You have to say, um, but it was lonely. Um, there were no other kids around, just farm animals, a few adults, um, no buses, no trains, no post box. Even it was really, really rural. Um, and it was kind of a frustrating childhood, I have to say, so I found solace in heavy metal. I got into it at quite a young age, I think as most people do who are heavy metal fans. I was around eleven twelve I think when I started listening to harder music and it developed over the years, as it often does. This is back in the the um, end of the eighties, uh, and I really heavy metal really helped me to release some frustration so listening to music every day was you know I had to get the bus to school took an hour to get to school every day I was listening to music every way on every day on the way there every day on the way back um to try and get over this or try and deal with this frustrating childhood situation that I was in as a teenager and that meant that at the age of um 18 I moved out of home as quickly as possible went to university um Really discovered what partying was and really threw myself into the party scene at the time. Um, Going into the mid 90s, that was the rave scene, and um, into the, the later part of the 90s, that meant in the rave scene quite heavily that meant drugs, that meant alcohol, having a good time, and I had no direction in life, nothing at all. I was studying and then I was working, I had no ambitions, I had no plans. I really had no life goals. I had absolutely not the faintest idea what I was doing with my life. Um, I'd never really gotten on very well with my mum. I do now, thankfully, um, but we had a very uh, a tricky relationship, you could say, through my teenage years. Probably no different from a lot of teenagers. Um, she was always still very supportive and has always been there for me, for which I'm very grateful. Um, but I was much, much closer to my dad. And, you know, he really understood me. We could hang out together. We would go and have a pint together in the pub and play darts and I could talk to him. And that brings me then to when I was around, I was 23. And sitting at home one night playing PlayStation with uh, with friends, with my boyfriend then at the time. And the phone rang. And I answered the phone and the person asked to speak to my then partner. And I remember his face very clearly as he was talking to the person on the other end of the phone. And um, without even knowing what had been said, I knew that something massively bad had happened. And I started to shake uncontrollably. I just knew that it was something massive, something huge. And um, he got off the phone, uh, took me into into the other room because we had a couple of friends there. We were doing what we always did of an evening, um, smoking weed and drinking and playing video games. That was just a, a nightly occurrence back then. Rinse and repeat every single day. But he took me into the other room and told me the news that my father had committed suicide. And I kind of knew, um, I even, I, I I just knew that that he had done that because I don't know, I, I, I still to this day can't really pinpoint why I knew, but I knew. And I started to, I can only describe it as a fit. I had a fit of, I guess, grief, emotion, shock, um, and it really it was all consuming it really really took over my my whole body it was like nothing i've ever felt before nothing i've ever felt since just uncontrollable emotion just writhing through my veins through my blood and I was just inconsolable. I was violent. I started punching things. I was just, this reaction to grief was was massive. And suddenly my, my hero, my dad, he wasn't there anymore. Um, and I remember still very vividly, I mean, this is 21 years ago now, I remember very vividly driving down to my mum, all the neighbors being there, making cups of tea and doing things that they just needed to do to try and sort of keep their own heads together. And there was my mum pacing the room, waiting for me. And, yeah, I I held her in my arms, and she was small and shaking. And I just remember being so incredibly lost and so, so confused and I just didn't know why this would happen and and you know and all the the questions that come up and because there was no note there was no explanation the following days were piecing together his last movements who he'd talked to what he'd done and where he'd been and there were no signs there were really no signs that this was his plan he hadn't said anything he'd been depressed for a while um that was something that that we realised then after the fact, because depression 21 years ago was not talked about, it just really wasn't, there was no anxiety flying around the world, there was no, people didn't talk about depression, there was the Samaritans obviously for people who were feeling suicidal, but nobody talked about it, it was never talked about on TV, I never, certainly never knew of any support groups, and it was a really difficult, difficult time which goes without saying. And the following six months, I suppose, I really, really threw myself into the party scene. And I mean, with gusto, I was going out from Friday to Sunday, throwing anything down my neck I could possibly, um, anything that anyone would give me to, to numb the pain, to not have to think about it. And after six months, I decided that I was leaving the UK. I couldn't handle being there. I couldn't handle the party anymore. I couldn't handle the people around me. I couldn't handle my family. Um, I couldn't handle being around my mum. I just couldn't take it. So I fled the country, if you like, and I moved to the Canary Islands, where I knew someone who was who was living and working there. And I worked there for a year and continue to party because when you party when you when you drink and when you take drugs and when you don't give yourself the time to analyze and think about a situation you hold yourself in a space where you can't move you don't you can't advance you can't go backwards you're just stuck in this bubble of grief and emotion and it needs to be burst that bubble needs to be burst but i wasn't ready to do that So after a year of living in the Canary Islands, I hopped my way over to Germany um, and for the following, I think about nine years, I spent my time fleeting between Germany, between Australia, back to Germany, back to the UK. I was chasing happiness. I was chasing a different life around the globe. And the problem with doing that is that it doesn't matter where you go, you still take yourself with you. And if that self is full of unprocessed trauma and grief, then that unprocessed trauma and grief just follows you wherever you go. You can't you can't get rid of it. It's there. It's part of you. And I always described it as a a big black sludgy tar ball in my stomach that just used to kind of rear up and, and strangle me from time to time. I hadn't dealt with it. Um, and whilst I was in Australia, um, I was in a situation where I actually was living in a small outback town um, without a television. I wasn't working at the time and I basically had time on my hands, and the universe really brought me all the the pieces together that I needed in order to be able to start to heal, and I did start to heal, and the one thing that I started with, which really started my healing process, was realizing perspective, and I, like so many people on the planet, had always thought that These things happened to me, that these things were the fault of other people. So, obviously, when somebody, when you lose somebody, when you have to go through this grief, obviously there is an action that has brought about a reaction in you. But by changing my perspective, I realized that actually I could choose the way that I react to things. So, Rather than my default of reaching for a bottle or a beer or, you know, some kind of narcotic to, to numb the pain, to numb the emotion, I realized that actually I could choose to look at it a different way. I could choose to analyze that feeling and I could choose to change that feeling. I could choose to see things in a different way. And it was through the process of self-development that I went through by analysing my feelings, by analysing the way that I was feeling and really focusing intently on the way that I was feeling and doing things to change that for the better that really started me on my healing journey, my healing process. And I did all the things. I did all the things that you you initially learn to do in the self-development world. I wrote lists of positive aspects. I wrote lists of the... I wrote down how I wanted to feel. I wasn't quite feeling it at the time, but I wrote down how I wanted to feel, that I wanted to feel at peace, that I wanted to feel... I wanted to feel happy. I wanted to bring into my life these harmonious feelings and not always this feeling of anger and trauma and guilt and shame and, and unhappiness of sadness and, and anger. This was all these, these negative emotions were boiling in me the whole time and they had been boiling in me for years before. And I realised I wanted something different. So I wrote down what I wanted and I started doing the things to make myself feel better to exercise, to eat well, I started studying and slowly but surely I realised that despite the fact that I'd lost my dad, which of course I would rather have him back in a heartbeat than anything else in the world, but I realised that actually from his actions many positive things did occur, not just for me but also for my mum there were situations that changed for the better and this is a really, I wouldn't expect anyone who has lost someone, especially if it's if it's fresh to also think in this way because this took a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of acceptance and a lot of healing to, to feel this way but I'm so grateful now to my father for taking that action because that action brought, what he did brought me to where I am today. And if he hadn't done that, I would probably have still been going through that cycle, that daily rinse and repeat cycle of not looking after myself, of not being in alignment with my, my true self and doing the things that, I, that make me happy. And part of that healing process was actually that I I ended up writing to my mum to apologise because I basically, I fled and I left her to deal with this on her own. I'm an only child. Um, Mum has lots of family around her, but, you know, there's nothing quite the same as this mother-daughter relationship, especially if you're an an only child. Um, So I wrote and I apologised and I explained and... um, a rift that that was there, it was an unspoken rift between us, but that rift was healed between us. And it changed, things changed. Um, The energy of the situation changed. And, you know, my, my life situation now compared to the day before my father committed suicide is so monumentally different. I have a completely different mindset I have a completely different outlook on life, I went from being negative and angry and frustrated and blaming and really having no goal, no aspirations, no plan in life, I went from that to being where I am now, being satisfied, being happy, having plans for the future, having everything not always go perfectly but knowing that even when it doesn't go perfectly I have the skills and the perspective to be able to see the positive side of almost anything that goes on, even the bad things that go on, even the most terrible things, somewhere at some point in time have a silver lining to them. And that was my journey, my journey of healing. The specifics of it aren't really important because the specifics of it are are unique to every person because over the years now, this my my self-healing brought me into the, the realms of therapy, um, I became a homeopath and a nutritional therapist, um, after that time I'm no longer doing that, but that is part of my, my historical therapy skill set if you like, and I helped many people to, to go through their grief journey as well. So The process of going through a grief journey, the process of overcoming some kind of trauma. um, Grief is not always just about um, losing someone, you know, someone dying. It could be losing a job. It could be losing a relationship. It could be a loss of lifestyle. There's all sorts of things that grief sits around. And I help many people to get through that and to get over that. And that process is individual to absolutely everyone and that brought me through into what i'm doing now because i realized that actually what i was doing is i was coaching people through their lives i was i was bringing them on a journey that took them from trauma from sometimes from very abusive historical situations through into a life that they could feel satisfied with a life where you can they can dream their dreams and try to achieve them and that is an incredible place for me to be sitting right now. And and I'm so grateful that I'm here doing that right now. And it's only recently that I've actually come, brought that through into the heavy metal community because through the past 12 months of the pandemic that we're currently in. So if anyone is listening to this in the future in the year 2020 and 2021, we (laughs) went through a a global pandemic unprecedented in its scale. Um, in terms of how um, exposed we all are to statistics and news and media, whether it's all correct or not, a lot of fake news flying around. Um, But I noticed that actually my people, my circle, my heavy metal community were really suffering in in this because we're a sensitive bunch. (laughs) Um, We take our aggression and our, our... Anger out in the music, with the music, for the music, and through the music. But actually, behind that is our sensitive, um, cuddly, lovely, loving, amazing people who who sometimes need a little bit of specific help because from someone that understands them and what the music means to them. Because that's such a huge part of of um, the heavy metal community, and that's brought me to where I am now. So. That was basically the worst thing that had ever happened to me in my life, losing my my dad, losing my hero to a tragic and completely unnecessary circumstance. But without his actions and without my own self-development journey, I would not be sitting here right now sharing that story with you and sharing with you how grateful I am for my amazing life that I have now. And I wanted to share that with you today. So I really hope that that's maybe inspired someone to perhaps try to change their perspective from a traumatic experience that they've had. And um, if you would like to share any comments or any feedback about this post, I would be, or about this recording, I would be very grateful. And if you have any questions, I'm very happy to answer any questions that you have um, about how to start to overcome these traumatic situations because it can be very difficult and it does take effort, it does take work, it does take realisation and self-analysis and that for some is is tricky but you don't have to live in trauma, you don't have to be your trauma, you can come out of it, you can come out the other side because I have um, and that is my story, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you'd like to support this podcast, please follow me on Instagram at The Mindfulness Mosh Pit. Thank you and see you again next week.